Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. turn to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14 is where we're going to go uh, this morning as we uh, bring the second part to our battleground uh, series. Um, I don't know about you, have you ever thought about some situations where uh, the smallest detail actually matters? Like it really matters? Like you might think it's minor, it's no big deal, but, but at the end of it you know for sure that man this detail is so crucial. I remember a couple years ago uh, we were, uh, the girls were, Cora and the girls were swimming in, uh, we had an above ground pool, small one, and, uh, and we deci- I decided that I wanted to do a quick backwash, like it's, if you've ever done a backwash in a pool, it's like 30 seconds, and you know, out it goes through, you know, the drainage and all that kind of stuff, and so I grabbed the hose, and, and, I, and I ran it down into a spot into my yard where I didn't care about a lot of water, and it's going to get dried up anyway, so it's all good, and and, uh, and I noticed at the very end, like near the end, there was just a small little kink in the line, like a really minor one. And I thought, ah, the pressure will, you know, go through and it'll push out that kink. It's near the end, so it's not a big deal. So I turned the lever to do the backwash, and man, the force, I didn't realize the force that was going to come through, you know, the filter, and boom, it comes flying. And all of a sudden, I noticed that it's starting to bubble at the very end. So I do my best Ben Johnson impression, and I start to do the 100-meter dash, you know, without steroids, that's for sure. But anyways, and I get there, and, uh, and, and I un do the kink, and before you know it, all of a sudden I hear Cora and the girls screaming, and I look back, and I'm like, oh, I didn't know our pool had like a fountain feature, and water is just going everywhere, and because I was working on this little kink at the back, it busted, and it split, and water was going everywhere. Of course, I shut everything off, and, and, and it reminds me that the littlest detail, the smallest thing can make the biggest impact. And when you look at Ephesians chapter 6, and and we've been talking, if you missed it last week, we started this series called Battlegrounds. That there is spiritual, um, there's a spiritual territory that we have gained in Christ because of Christ, right? You know, the whole transformation process. You know, I, I said this last week, I think this is very true. That all of us should be able to look back at the time that we came to Jesus and look to where we are today and see change. If we're not seeing change, then we're really not, to be quite honest with you, and don't put a show of hands because I, re- you know, I, I don't want to know this between you and the Lord, but, but if you're not seeing change or transformation, are we really following Jesus? Because original sin has already started that process. Our own personal sin has a major impact on our lives. And the transformation, both in, in working out the issues of sin, the consequences, the guilt, all those kinds of things, taking away the shame, knowing and experiencing the love of God, knowing and experiencing the grace of God, beginning to walk in a deeper and different understanding of the word and to look at life differently and how I live my life and how I act and my priorities. All of those things should have changed from the day I gave my life to Christ to now and 10 years from now I should be able to look back to this moment and go it's still changing because that's what the Holy Spirit does is transforming your life and my life to become just like Jesus in attitude and heart and expression and touching people's lives touching the lives of our family serving in ministry serving out the purposes of God all of those things and we should be able to see that 
And the, th- the thing is, is that as we shared last week, that, and Paul addresses this with the church in Ephesus, where he's like, hey, listen, guys, there's ground that you have gained. And there's an enemy that wants to take that ground. He doesn't want you to continue to hold that ground, but if anything, he wants to push you back. And by pushing you back, he's actually getting back at God, and he's enjoying the fact that you're losing the ground that you've gained. And God says, I want you to stand your ground, and then once you stand your ground, I actually want you to go on the offensive and continue to gain even more ground. And for the sake of time, I won't go through all of Ephesians chapter 6, but he just says that. He goes, listen... You know, when the enemy comes, and he will come, and he will come with his entire, you know, army to assault your life. Because, remember, John 10 says that he came to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but man, stand firm in the, in the might and the power of God, and put on the full armor of God, and stand your ground, is what the passage says in the, in the verses previous to verse 14. But then Paul pulls out the, the first piece of armor, which, to be honest with you, when I first read it, I thought, why would you start with a belt? Right? Like Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14 says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The Amplified says, tighten that belt. I mean, I don't know about you, when I think armor, I don't necessarily think of belt, Right? Like, I think of a belt, like, keep my pants up kind of belt. I'm not thinking about, you know, you know this, this, which was the, the, the belt of truth or the belt in a, in a military sense was six inches wide, made of really thick leather. And, 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 and for me, I don't think about that. I just think about, you know, I think about the sword. I think about the shield. I think about the helmet. I think about those other things. But Paul starts with the truth. And the reason why he starts with the truth and the reason why he starts with the belt as an, an analogy to the truth is that the everything, your entire armor, your ability to fight, your ability to defend is determined and, and is built upon the belt of truth. Let me, let me uh, take it one step further here. It was six inches wide, but the belt did a lot of things. It, it was something that was used to hold personal items, of course, daggers. Uh, it was meant to bring protection to the midsection because if you got hit in the midsection, that would be considered, you know, a fatal blow, which is kind of funny because I think being hit with a sword, period, is going to be a fatal blow. But, you know, like, but, but that, that idea that it, it, it actually protected your midsection, it actually was good to, to allow, you know, the, the movement of the soldier to be a lot more free and a lot more fluid because, the, you know, the, 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 this, this belt would actually, you would tuck in your tunic and it would keep all the loose ends from, from being out so that nobody can grab them while you're fighting, right? I mean, the enemy is a, is, is a dirty player, and so, you know, he's going to try to, you know, tear away at you and pull away at you, and, and any little, little piece that he can grab to pull you down or to pull you away or to get you off of your game, that's what the enemy's going to do. Well, Paul starts with this, says, listen, stand firm with the truth. The military, the military word here actually is this idea of holding on to your position. And it starts by putting on the belt of truth. It's there to protect you. It's, in fact, there's another thing I just, I just was reading a second ago. But, but this idea that, that the belt of truth actually held the breastplate in place. Which in this analogy... What Paul was saying is the truth actually establishes and keeps in place your righteousness, your ability to do what is right. And so the truth is, is that the truth, no pun intended, 
everything absolutely depends on it. Like you've got, this is the foundational element. This is the first thing that you put on. And this needs to be the first thing that you and I pursue. This needs to be the first thing that you and I dig. And I need you to understand today, I need to understand that when Paul says, listen, put on the belt of truth or to tighten the belt of truth, there are several things that he's saying here. The first thing he's saying is, listen, this is something that you need to pursue, but the truth of God, the the truth of God that you're pursuing needs to go beyond facts. He's not talking about, you know, factual information like I've read a book and I know this, or I've read a brochure and I've got all the details down. He's talking about understanding the details. He's talking about having a revelation of those details. In fact, you know, one scholar says that, that really the way to describe this is it's, it's not just the gospel or the word, but we're talking about rhema, which is revelation. This is where conviction meets revelation. Meaning there's something that goes on inside your heart that it just clicks for you. And now because it clicks for you, it's, you see it differently. And now because you see it differently, you walk differently. You live differently. You push through things differently. Just think about this for a moment. For generations, in this context, for generations, there was this incredible, massive nation called Israel. And for years, they had all these prophecies about, you know, the Messiah, the coming Messiah. But the moment that Jesus showed up, they missed it. They didn't see it. All the attempts that were made to help them understand because they had facts but they didn't have a revelation yet. The prophets did, but the people didn't necessarily. And so what would, what happen is the, you know, as generations go along, the facts are being passed on, but the revelation is not quite there. Then Jesus shows up, and people are still not sure, and there's only a few, a handful, and even the disciples. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16 and 17. When he's talking to the disciples, he looks at them, and he looks at Peter, and he says, But what about you? Simon Peter, who do you say that I am? I know what everybody else says. I know, I know, what, I know what tradition says. I, I know what, you know, everyone sees me either as a teacher, a rabbi, a good person or whatever, a prophet. But, but, but Peter, tell me who you, what's, what's your revelation? What do you understand? And then Peter looks at him and says, you are the Messiah. Okay, well, that's an easy one. And then he goes on to say, but you are the son of the living God. Look what Jesus said to him. Man, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Hey, Peter, what you just said didn't come from the facts. Here's where it came from. It's been revealed to you by my Father in heaven. Something went a little deeper in Peter's understanding. Now, there was still more to come. It's the reason why in John chapter 14, verse 25 to 26, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples and teaching them as they were leading up to the moment that he would be crucified and that he would die, he said this, all of this I've spoken while I'm still with you, but the advocate, the spirit of God, 
whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. There is so much more Jesus had to pour into their lives, and he wanted to get a little bit deeper. And we know the story that the moment the Holy Spirit entered into their lives and began to transform their lives, those disciples became different people. And the reason why they became different people is because they began to understand things in the way of wisdom and revelation and rhema rather than just the facts. The facts are great, but when you sit down in front of the facts, do you ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand it in a more deep way? In a more practical way. I mean, what, what, when I read this, when he says put on the belt of truth, what I hear, you know, uh, you know, Paul saying to the church in Ephesus is put on this truth, meaning live it, make it the foundation element, but don't just make it the facts. Tighten it up and, d- and let it dig a little bit deeper. Because here's what happens. When, when, when we begin to walk in wisdom and revelation and understanding beyond all of the facts, it allows us to see through, just like infrared, what is not seen in the natural? You know, we talked about this last week, and I'll say it again. You know, it's hard to navigate through a cultural world in which we live today. Where the Bible says that the deceptor will come as an angel of light, and he will masquerade like God, and he will do counterfeit miracles. And he can lead you into hollow and deceptive philosophies that look good, but really they're not godly. And then all of a sudden you start believing in those things. And the next thing you know, you're far away from God. And you're far away from the teachings of the word. And, and you're not living life according to God. And, 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 and you're just missing out on everything that God has for you. And Paul says, but if you put on the belt of truth, if you start there first and establish the truth inside of your life. And not just facts but revelation, because here's what happens with revelation. Revelation turns into conviction, and conviction changes the way that you live. It changes the way that you face things. It changes the way that you look at things. It's the thing that keeps you in your place. It's the thing that says, I'm going to be defiant because I know this. There's something inside of me that digs you know, a little bit deeper. And if there was ever a time and an age where, man, we've got to be able to see through the lies of the enemy. Because that's what he wants, man. He just wants you and I, man, to miss it, to not see it. I mean, I've sat with people that found themselves in places spiritually and emotionally and in relationships and different things. And maybe you've experienced this too where you're like, man, how did you get there? I remember sitting down with uh, somebody, a number Man, a number of years ago, who really believed for the longest time because someone had taught her that, that she should divorce her husband and cause another divorce because God didn't want them together. Got really quiet in here all of a sudden. See, God is a God of reconciliation, and I understand that there are things that happen, and And you need to know that if you're walking through that journey, you've been through that journey of separation, man, you're still loved, still valued, still cared for, still part of the body of Christ, all that good stuff. Man, it's there. But she was wrecking marriages because she thought it was godly. And I was like, no. And I looked at her and said, how did you get there? And we sat for an hour and we just chatted and I was like, wow. 
And that's what's kind of going on. And that's just one example of probably, man, I could, I could probably sit here for three or four hours and tell you stories of things and, and understand that I'm not perfect. And there are moments where I can look back at my own life and I can see moments where, you know, I was misled or I misunderstood something or, you know, I thought this was God. And then I get so far and I'm like, man, I'm, the farther I get into this, I realize more and more this is not comfortable. This is really not feeling like God at all. You know? just to deceive us, just to pull us in a direction that God says, that's not what I intended for your life. And the only way to decipher what those things are is that's why it's so important, yes, to start and begin by digging into the word and good teaching and, and, and whether it's through books or podcasts or, you know, Right Now Media. Man, we've got Right Now Media as a tool that you can use with some incredible teachers where, man, you can do devotions. It's all free. All you got to do is sign up through the website and we'll get you all started and all logged in. And there's some stuff that you can be constantly filling your life with in the way of the word of God. But listen to me. Listen to me. And I said this last week and I'll say it again. You cannot combat what you don't know what you're fighting. Meaning you don't, if you don't understand, if you don't see beyond the lies of the enemy, then you'll never fight it. And the only way you're ever going to fight is when you and I walk in the word of God and allow the word of God to become rhema revelation where we begin to understand things, where revelation and conviction begin to meet, and it changes the way that we live. You will see, listen to me, you will see God's love in a different way. You will see God's forgiveness in a different way. You will see the, the grace of God in a different way. You will see the immensity and the power of God in a different way. You and I will see faith in a different way. You'll see all of these things in a different way. You'll understand the immensity of God's grace in the moments of imperfection. And yet you will still see God pulling us because of the truth and because of his love for us. I said this on Thursday night. There's a great line from a song from Hillsong uh, that they've recently produced on one of their albums where it's like, they talk about how, God, you love me too much to leave me here. Meaning where I am currently in my faith and my walk with God, you love me too much to keep me here. You, you love me too much to let me stay in this level of revelation. You love me too much to, understand, to let me stay in my anger or my frustration or my contempt. You, you love me too much for me to stay in my sin. You love me too much for me to stay in my brokenness and my hurt. Do you see what I'm saying? When you put on the belt of truth, you can carry your life a different way. Because you're walking in revelation and understanding. It is life-giving. You know, all the, con thank you, thank you. Whoever said that, thank you. Listen to me. Man, I'm telling you, the word of God, and you've heard me say this, it's not rules. It is a pathway to life and life more abundantly. The very thing that Jesus said, I've come to give you. And I'm choosing to give you the Holy Spirit who is going to teach you all things to walk you through that so that you're not like, you know, an entire nation who misunderstood the concept of the Messiah and built up this whole thing and didn't understand the heart and the revelation even when it walked in front of them in the flesh. 
He's like, man, I've got so much in store for you, man. So much goodness, so much forgiveness, so much grace. There is so much love and care. And man, listen, I, and I, again, same thing. I talk to people all the time and they, they find themselves living for years and years and years with guilt or condemnation or brokenness or hurt or anger. I can go on and on and on and on. Listen to me. God never intended for you to live there. And the enemy wants you to accept it and say, well, you know what, this is, I've, you know, God, I've experienced this disappointment for 20 years. I recently got a letter from somebody that basically said from the day that they were born till now, they've experienced disappointment after disappointment and disappointment. As if to say, and it did, it created a sense inside of their heart that this is the best that my life will ever be. And every day they live with that weight. And as I'm reading this, everything inside of my heart, everything inside of my spirit is just shouting, no, 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 no. Jesus came, died on the cross, resurrected again, conquered sin and death to reverse the curse, to pour blessing and favor and to love on you and to care about you and to be there for you and to take your brokenness and to take those ashes and to turn it into beauty. That's his word, not mine. And so when you walk in it, can I just be honest with you, as much as I understand, because there are moments, trust me, I have one of those weeks where I'm feeling that weight, and then I was watching a clip from Steve Furtick, and he's like, you need to preach to yourself like David preached to, your, to himself. David's like, don't listen to that. Nope. Soul, you're going to worship Jesus. Man, I know I've got my, arm, my enemies all around me, but I'm going to worship you anyways. Man, we need to start prophesying and start speaking over our lives in a lot more effective. But again, how do you do that if you don't or I don't know the word of God? That there isn't anything that I can do that God cannot forgive, that God cannot restore from, that God cannot give me a second chance in. Oh, come on, man. Somebody, somebody talk to me, man. Are you grabbing this this morning? Like four of you. Are you grabbing this this morning? <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. God, you're so good. You're so, you know what? Just take two seconds right now and thank God for his goodness right now. That's what he provides. Thank you, Jesus. Convinced believers aren't easily moved. But I'll tell you right now, conviction can only come when there's unhindered connection. Yeah, I mean, you've got to, you and I have to, we have to find a way to, to shut out the world, shut out the philosophy, shut out everything, and just get back to the word, spending time in his presence. But I will say this, that when we're, when we're stepping into the word of God, can I just say this, there needs to be a pure approach. Because I don't care who we are, all of us have theological, denominational baggage. Boy, it's getting quiet in here today, man. Like, I was like, I'm stepping on toes today, Jeff. Like, man, you know? Right? We do. We come with our theological baggage. I, I do. You know? 
That's why the other day I was I was purchasing a software for the staff for for uh, it's a, it's a Bible software and and uh, you know you you can you can get your it's Logos, and you can get, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right, Mike? So you can get whatever theological flavor you want, right? Like, you know, if if you're, you know, Anglican, you get all the books that are Anglican written and whatever. And then we got to the, I, so I looked at what was available for Pentecostals, and I realized there's like hardly any commentaries, which I don't know what that says about us as far as being able to dig deep into the word. But anyways, and I was like, this is dumb. I just want the standard. I don't care if it's written by a Pentecostal. I don't care if it's written by, you know, uh, an Anglican, whatever. I just want to get into the word of God. I'll let the Holy Spirit do the rest. You know? And, and in the same way, not just theological or denominational. Let's get it right, Craig. Let's get there. I was about to say demonic, but that would probably not work. <laughs> but if you're in that place, we should probably talk a little later on, but... Um, but listen, even in our own, the way we are raised or the things that we've encountered, a lot of times those things can impact how we see or how we approach the word of God. It actually can jade us a little bit, or we can read into something that's not there. And so we have to really be careful and guard your heart. I mean, I I hope you're catching my heart today. I'm not, you're not suggesting anything, but just an encouragement and a challenge that, that the word of God is meant to produce life inside of us and purity. And here's the reason why. Because it's establishing godly character inside you and I. And if there was ever a thread, you remember I talked about how the belt, you had to put the tunic in so that it would keep the tunic tight to your body. So that, the, so that your enemy couldn't grab on that little piece and pull you. The enemy wants to mess with godly character because godly character says the wrong, uh, ungodly character, sorry, says the wrong thing to a world that doesn't know Jesus. And that's the truth, right? Have you ever had somebody say to you, you've done something and you know it was kind of iffy and maybe the integrity didn't shine through? Maybe it's like my moments when I'm driving a car. I shouldn't drive anymore, to be honest with you. That's the moment, Cora, what's that? <laughs> That's the moment where I think my integrity and my godly character gets challenged the most. And uh, it's, it's a good thing that it's not recorded or, you know, taped or anything like that. Because there are moments where, and I'm, listen, and I know I'm speaking to some people in this room. They know what I'm talking about. The rest of you godly people that drive perfectly, that's awesome. But there's some of us in this room that really struggle with the abilities of others around them. But anyways, or the lack of abilities around them, you know. You know there's a gas pedal in that car? No, kidding. Um... But you ever done something that lacked integrity and then someone who's not serving Jesus use it against you and say to you, I thought you were a Christian? See that? There's the thread. The enemy grabs it and takes it. And he'll keep going at that. It reminds me of uh, uh, my dog, Mika. And, uh, we, you know, we were, we were laughing just a couple of weeks ago, or a week ago, I guess. We, my nieces and my nephew were, uh, my, and my sister were visiting from Edmonton. We only see them, like, once, 
uh, once a year, maybe, if we're lucky. And uh, so the kids are a little bit younger, and so, you know, I just made sure that we cut out a lot of time for them when they came home this year and, and uh, visiting, because my dad retired last Saturday, and and, uh, and is heading to Newfoundland for a few months, and uh, oh, the retirement life, man. Just can't wait to get there. I got to be honest with you, right? Anybody wait? Anybody that's like Freedom 48? How many want to go Freedom 48s? Anybody? All right, yeah. <laughs> I just can't afford Freedom 48. I'm lucky if I afford Freedom 99. I'm just throwing it out there, you know? So, but, um, so uh, every once in a while, uh, like, we'll bring home a cheap toy because every toy that we bring home to the dog gets destroyed within minutes. Like, and, and there's a few that have made it through. I don't understand what goes through my dog's minds, but, you know, there's just a few that's made it through. It's like, okay, you know what? You're a cool toy, so I'll keep you, so I won't destroy you. You, I hate, and just gone, right? Like, and, and I watch her, and I said to my little niece, um, Melissa, I call her Mel B, and I'm like, all right, Mel B, just watch this. Ancora's going to throw that down, and Mika's going to destroy this within minutes. She's like, no, and I'm like, yes, just watch, you know. And, and, and by the way, just so you know, her name for me, which but I just give you guys freedom if you want to call me this too, is Uncle Awesome. That's, that's my name. <laughs> it's either, or Uncle Cool. It's one of those two. She does not call me by any other name. It's Uncle Awesome. It's, I just, I can't help it. She picked up. Man, talk about going from facts to revelation. Like that's, <laughs> right? Like that's, that's what I'm, there's a great example of, you know, right? And, uh. So she's like, Uncle Awesome, that's not true, you know, whatever. And I said, no, watch, watch. And, I, and, and it's true, man. Like, you put Mika down, you throw a toy, and she just, I, I, this is why Corn, I think there's like, you know, part wolf in this thing, man. She just rips things away. But this is what she does. She looks for one thread. She'll bite all the way around that toy, but the moment she finds the one thread, she starts pulling on it. And she just goes to town. And she just keeps tugging until that thread gives through. And once that thread lets go, everything lets go. And the moment you and I let our guard down when it comes to, and again, God's grace is there. God's love. Don't get me wrong. Doesn't, you know, sometimes when we talk in terms like this, we, we often convey this idea that, hey, if you're not perfect, then you've disappointed God. No, listen, God's got big shoulders. That's why he's a God of grace. He has the ability to look at what we've done, the mistakes that we've made, and love us still, and then because of his love, pull us out of, you know, our brokenness, out of what we sense in the way of condemnation or guilt or disappointment, and restore us back to what he wants, and he does it in a loving and and a gentle way, in an honest way. But that pure approach to the word of God is so important because it, it, it affects what's being developed. And if we're going to allow ourselves to be pure at heart, which is really the heart of God. In fact, you know, one scholar said this about the word truth here. Uh, says that the word truth here could also give the sense of candor. Meaning being open and honest. Mean, meaning being frank with ourselves or being frank with God. Being honest about how we feel and where we're at. It can give a sense of sincerity. That means there, there's, there's, just, there's a freedom from this pretense or deceitfulness or hypocrisy. You know, like, you know, it's, it's when we're praying and we're calling on God or we're approaching the word of God. There's just, hey, God, I just want to learn from you. There's that humility, right, that is such an important trait to establish inside of our lives. Because if you don't have humility, it's hard to bow or walk in submission to the word of God. Right? What are the things in the purpose of God? 
or truthfulness, just being true, undivided, just the whole self. And listen, when it happens, you know, the enemy's trying to find every little tug, little, little piece, just like Mika would, so that he can just pull you down. And God says, that's not what I have for you. JJ, do you want to come? So I'll go back to what the Amplified says. It says, tighten that belt. Meaning before you put on all of the rest, like before you walk in righteousness, before you, you know, you walk in the other pieces of armor that God has placed inside your life, before you use the sword that God has given you, which is the word, and we'll talk about how we use the word in the way of a sword in a, in a few weeks. But listen to me, before you do anything, before I do anything, just want to be truthful before God. And I want to be open because I know that a pure approach is going to produce a pure life. And the reality is, is that that's what God is looking for. And when you and I are standing and we are facing an enemy that wants to take us out. And he is. You might even be sitting here right now going, Pastor Craig, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. My life is good. And it might be good. And not to throw you into a place of mass hysteria, but just understand, even that trick is a trick of the enemy. To lull us into a sense that everything is good, so I don't need to call on God. I don't need to dig into the word. I don't need to, you know, yeah, I, I, just, I, I just do nothing. Like, I'm not going to chase after you, God. I'm not going to look for you. I'm not going to spend time. You know what, God? I don't, I don't need to spend time with you, man. I, you know, everything's good. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to get you. Because, Rob, he doesn't want you to know the truth. Because he knows what, unlock, what gets unlocked inside your life because of the truth of God. And it gives you strength to face what you face today. But you know, I, I'll say this, and I failed to mention it uh, earlier, but just so you know, in the way of an update for Larry Partridge, is that this week he was given a word from the doctors that he only has days. And as I sat with Larry and Kathy and Sarah on Thursday afternoon, if I remember correctly. And I looked at Sarah and I looked at Kathy as Larry's kind of in and out. You know, he's kind of resting a little bit. He's kind of used to having the crowd around him and all, you know, all of us talking loud and all this kind of stuff. And he's just kind of, he's just kind of resting. And, and you can tell he's picking up on stuff because every once in a while he'll chime in. And I, and I looked at him and said, listen, my, my faith doesn't change. I continue to pray. I, don't, I, I, don't, I ignore the reports. I just go, that's a report. That's, that's earthly. That's natural. That's flesh and blood. Grateful for doctors. Grateful for medication and science and all that good stuff. And God, you, you've, you've blessed us with great minds. But with one word, you can change this, God. But this is what I said to Sarah and to Kathy. So it's moments like this. It's moments like this 
that if you don't understand God, if you don't, that relationship is not there. Man, this could really wreck you. And it's funny because there was a few weeks, and by the way, thank you for everyone that's had an opportunity to go up and visit them because they're so grateful, like so grateful. The prayers, I mean, they just cannot say enough how grateful they are for their church family pressing in and praying. And there's a few of us that have been able to pop up and see them and see how they're doing. And it's been just the right amount, you know, like you now sometimes it can be a little bit too much. And it's just been the nice, the right amount. And there were times where I've gone to visit and Larry's been in and out, no one's there. And I've just sat in the chair and, for, you know, for 20 minutes, just prayed over and prayed over and prayed over and prayed over. I remember there's two or three significant conversations that I knew that God had put on my heart that at some point as their pastor, I need to speak to it because, you know, these, these are the moments where the enemy can come in and lie and discourage them. And he's like, I don't want you to be discouraged. I know it's natural to feel discouraged. Okay, I get that. There's a big difference between encountering something and living somewhere, right? Like we encounter fear, we encounter worry, and that's natural. We do that, but... But I'll tell you right now, that is, that is a place mentally, emotionally, spiritually. God says, I do not want you to live. I don't want you to dwell there because that's not what I've given you. Right? That's why the scripture says, do not be anxious, but in everything, with prayers and petitions, bring before God, Philippians. Right? Don't be anxious. Well, God, that's how I feel. Yeah, I know that's how you feel. Just don't live there. Come to me. Be with me. And watch what I do. Listen, it's not, listen, can I just say this? This is just hitting me right now. When God invites us to bring our prayers and petitions, what he's saying is I'm asking you to come into my presence. And, and listen, we think it's because we're delivering our prayers, we're delivering our needs, we're delivering our, this is what I want or this is what I expect, and we are. But I just feel like God's saying to me, that's not actually what I'm doing. I'm actually drawing you into my presence because my presence is the thing that's actually going to give you what you really need in this moment, which is the peace and the strength and the encouragement because you're in my presence. Right? It's kind of like when you were used to feed your kid and you used to do the whole airplane thing because your kid thought it was comical when they were sitting in a high chair because they refused to eat, you know, mashed peas or, you know, something completely disgusting and, and you know, and you're like, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it's like it works and their mouth automatically opens up, you know, and, and they hear the sound and you put that, that spoon and you did the sound just to get them the food. Sometimes I think God puts things like this, don't get me wrong, I think he wants us to bring our prayers and our petitions, but I actually wonder if he's doing that so that it forces you and I to actually be in his presence. And let me in, your, in his presence. Yes, I'm going to deal with your stuff, but be in my presence so that I can wow you, so that I can overwhelm you with my love, so that you know that you're not alone, so that you know that you walk in grace, so that you know that you walk in forgiveness, so that you know that you have a God that is full of power, that there is no end to his resource, that you know that God can speak a word, and that confidence rises up. And what happens is you shift from an understanding in the way of facts, and you begin to walk in revelation, and, you, and that revelation begins to cause you to walk in conviction and so when the enemy comes to lie to you you go no that's a lie I'm not backing down I'm taking another step I'm not even just standing my ground I'm taking another step 
I am not letting you rob me, devil, of what God has for me today. I'm taking another step. And the only reason why you're going to press through is because you have a conviction that God is for you and not against you. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Somebody talk to me this morning. Grab that today. So put on the belts of truth. Walk in that. Man, walk in his goodness and his love. Man, walk in that every day. Put it on. Tighten it. Walk up that life of truth. Watch what God does through that life. But more importantly, watch what he does in your life. And in my life. That's what you want. Would you stand with me all over this place? Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.com.